This is Scott Becker with Becker's Healthcare. Thrilled today to visit on our podcast with Nick Thomas. Nick is one of the smart, smart writers at Becker's Healthcare, a great journalist, spends a lot of time covering finances in healthcare. One of the core subjects that everybody's worried about is margins are so challenged for hospitals and health systems. We're looking forward to talking to Nick regularly on the podcast. Nick, why don't you take a moment and, and tell us what are a couple of stories you're watching currently in, in sort of healthcare? What are, what are you watching? What trends are you watching? What stories are you watching? Well, I'd say, Scott, that, um, you know, probably probably the main thing I do that fills my days are um, looking at financial results, uh, as you pointed out. Uh, what I'm trying to do with those uh, results is not just report the same old story of, you know, losses because of expenses and inflation, et cetera, but to try and find uh, a special angle on each of those stories. So it's not really a specific healthcare system. It's it, it's a number of them. You know, yesterday we had Mayo Clinic and UPMC, for example. Uh, these are you know, big healthcare systems that that report on these uh, on these databases, and I keep a regular watch on them. So Nick, you're covering the financial results of a whole number of different health systems. I, I, I saw recently, I think community health systems. Mm-hmm. Showed a, a loss, in, and you've been following Mayo and UPMC. What are you seeing at Mayo and UPMC? What did the results look like this this past year? So Mayo had um, you know, had a, a positive net income, um, but it was down fifty percent on um, uh, its operating income on the previous year, whereas uh, UPMC reported almost a one billion loss in twenty twenty two. When they look at those losses, what what do they say in terms of how they're going to turn those around? Is there any what what are they trying to do? What's the sense you get from systems? Well, certainly, on, if you look at the UPMC story yesterday, they they stressed how they, that they had invested over three hundred million uh, during the year to support its workforce. You know, the idea of retention, recruitment, and building that pipeline. Uh, of of consistent staff, so they don't have to permanent staff. They don't have to rely on contract labor so much. That's a very common theme in a number of these healthcare systems. Uh, you know, they talk about hundreds of initiatives that they are looking at, uh, but essentially it is to try and break down that reliance, that previous reliance on contract labor, largely. Yes, and hear that constantly, the work on systems trying to reduce contract labor. Mm-hmm. And I misspoke a second ago that the system I just recently saw a report on was not community health systems, but IU Health that reported, again, a significant loss mm-hmm. last year, too, in that several hundred million dollar range and so forth. And our system starting to see, is there any sense that things are starting to sort of stabilize and move in, in the right direction? Because obviously, if if IU Health had a six or seven hundred million dollar loss, UPMC had a billion dollar loss. You know, it's almost like there was an old statement from you know Washington D.C. At some point, these billions add up. At some point, these losses start to add up and cause real stress to systems. I saw another system, Marshfield, had their and I thought I think you reported this. Their their debt downgraded, mm-hmm. and you're seeing more of that. Is there any mm-hmm. positive insight on the horizon? Is there anything that people are looking at and saying? this may turn some or move in the right direction? I think there is. I mean, we, you know, we've done reports from some of these consultants or advisors, people like Kaufman Hall and, and people like that, and, and even Moody's and some of the rating 
services. You know, they, they say there is some light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still very, very dim. Hopefully it's not an oncoming train. You know, it's, there is some light there, but there's a long way to go. And, and I think a lot of these systems suffered so much in 2022 that it's going to take a good year or so for them to, to get through this. And then, you know, then you just have to hope that the macroeconomy improves, that inflation goes down, that, um, you know, that you're not having so much stress in that situation, that the stock market begins to perform better. Uh, you know, because a lot of these losses, too, aren't just operating losses. They're also from declines in investment values. There's a long way to go. But this is an important point, because in some years, investment gains offset operating losses. But when systems mm-hmm. face like they did last year, investment losses and operating losses, it does lead them to be more fragile. And so the, the, the import of the stock market shouldn't be understated. You, you've also got this issue with rising interest rates as the Fed tries to fight inflation. At the same time, you've got government deficit spending leading towards more inflation. And so it's hard to see at what point these two things sort themselves out between the interest rate raises, which at some point also cause lots of stress for systems, but the inflationary costs are also challenging. So at some point, hopefully these sort themselves out where the government's able to move away from deficit spending, which also leads to inflation, and then the Fed doesn't have to hit the interest rate ticket so hard, which also leads to stress on debt payments, doesn't it? Right. Uh, there's that. And then I think also we should talk about, you know, as we sort of just mentioned before, about uh, the workforce situation. You know, ho- hospitals and health systems are facing difficulties there because they have to invest in their um, permanent staff to make sure that they can recruit well and it most importantly retain them. Uh, so they have to be spending money ahead of time in an already stressed system uh, because they don't want to fall back on that reliance of the contract labor. Um, so yeah, there are so many challenges for these healthcare systems going forward. Without a well, doubt. well, I think you, you, you said it really well. I mean, health, health systems are trying to invest in technology that will help them automate. It takes people to figure that out. It takes cost to figure that out, to move towards that automation. There's some believe there's only so much that can be automated, though they're certainly going to try and do a lot more so. I mean, we see so many examples of it throughout our entire universe outside of healthcare, this automation taking away from some of the labor needs and cost. But at the same time, you still need people to take care of people. So it, you, you really find systems right. having to be able to operate in both ways, make advances on technology and make advances on people at the same time, both, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and again, that adds to um, cost pressures for these systems. So I think maybe related to that, we may see more merger and acquisition activity going forward this year as struggling systems try to, you know, get at scale. And uh, we've already seen some of that in 2022. I think that's likely to continue. One of the main problems is, of course, that the FTC is is looking at that, uh, particularly if you have healthcare systems um, that are in the same geography, you know. So uh, they're putting a bit, putting a bit more scrutiny on that. But a hundred percent. And health systems say, well, we need to merge to have some economies of scale, and we get more of them and more market strength if we're in a, if we're in a you know close geographies. But we also just need more capital 
in a combined system, it has that can withstand some of these challenges and so forth. Maybe can afford better systems, take more risks and so forth. And a real challenge is the FTC does scrutinize those. While at the same time, the payers that a lot of these systems are contracting with have become gigantic. And so the, the, the market power variation between the systems and the payers seems to have become, you know, there seems to be a bigger and bigger chasm there than it used to be where, where some of the health systems had a lot of negotiating leverage with the payers. Now it seems like the payers have become so, so dynamic, so, so gigantic that it's, um, that it's hard to balance those powers. Yes. Uh, I mean, I hate to use the word dysfunctional, but it, it you know, when you have, when you have insurance companies making these vast profits and then every healthcare system, basically 90% of them struggling just to make ends meet, it's really a, a very difficult situation in this industry. I, I think you nailed it right there. It really is. Nick, I want to thank you as always for your coverage and for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Uh, brilliant journalist at Becker's Healthcare, Nick Thomas. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you, Scott. I enjoyed it.